0: Okay, Uh, we read uh, There's a Solution, page 17, last week. It was a KU game, so we we had about 20 people, and it was uh, really good. Uh, I was preparing for tonight, and I um, wanted to find this, uh, what does the solution look like, and I had this uh, handout I put together, and so I said, well, I'll pass this out, because when we started recording, uh, we had already been... Uh, read part of doctor's opinion and so um, if you turn to this page here it says big book goals and this is why we study the big book because the big book is the path to God and to recover and um, we start the big book is laid out as a textbook remember we talked about that and a textbook conveys information from one group to the other. The people who wrote the book are conveying their experience on what they did and they are giving you specific directions and then you can either follow them or throw the book away. And so the big books laid out and the problem is Doctor's Opinion Bill's story and we covered both of those on Sunday night. Uh, Basically talking about our powerlessness in step one and uh, we're going to look at doctor's opinion we're going to look at a page in here it shows us uh, what the doctor's opinion said about us and then uh, the solution step two there is a solution and they're going to describe the solution and they're also going to describe how we're powerless so we need the solution and what the solution looks like In More About Alcoholism, they describe how we need a power to live. And we need a power that will keep us from drinking. And More About Alcoholism tells us about the state of mind sober prior to drinking and how it's insane, and there's nothing you can do to stop that, ever. So you need a power, a defense from God. And We Agnostics talks about... uh, and can you believe that there's a power greater than yourself that can save you, that can give you power to live, basically, and see the truth about alcohol? And so that's about power. And then once they've gone through the powerlessness and the power, then it's ready for how it works, which is the actions necessary to have recovered. Now, if you're powerless and you need power and you don't do the actions necessary for recovery you just stay powerless and so chapter 5 is how it works it's read every meeting people talk and play with their phones during it but how it works is basically after you've understood your powerlessness and the need for power and how it works talks about steps 3, 4, four and then 5 through 9 and 10 and 11 is into action And so how it works, the fourth and third and fourth step are really making a decision in step three. We're going to look at that in this handout. And step four is looking at our life run on self-will and seeing the manifestations of that so that we are willing to change and be rid of the things that are blocking us from God. You also learn how to deal with fear and how to have it removed by God, how to deal with anger and have it removed by God and how to not hopefully have conduct harming others again when you look at your conduct inventory. And so that's how the book is laid out. And so you can't start with how it works. You have to start with doctor's opinion. And so these are, I thought this would help uh, if you're new. So that's why we studied the book because I don't have any, any plan that I can give you on my own that will fix my problem or your problem, but I can go through the plan that they have written out and I could show you what I did and show you what they did and then if you do it, you tell us what happens. Now, Matt's done it and he's, life's better, isn't it Matt? And you're continuing to do it every day. So then there's a disease concept of alcoholism. And this is good. This ties into the doctor's opinion. Remember, the doctor gave told us what was told Bill W. What was wrong with him, and he says alcoholics have two problems. The first problem is we have an allergy to alcohol. Anybody have an allergy to any pills, penicillin, peanut butter, uh, shellfish? Well, we have a unique allergy because we keep taking the thing that causes the allergy. Now, I never had anybody come into my office and said, well, I almost died from that penicillin. Give me another one. I mean, it just doesn't happen. But we have an allergy. And what he describes as the allergy is that when we put a, uh, a drink in our body, we cannot metabolize the alcohol the way normal people do. And we build up this level of acetone, which creates a craving. And so whenever we put it in our body, we want a second one. Anybody ever relate to that? Anybody ever had that happen? I know it's rare, but see if it ever did. Did anybody ever want to stop after one drink? See, there you go. Did did you ever go to the the, uh, store and say, "Uh, here's a six-pack. Can I just buy one? You know, it just doesn't happen. And, but this is why. We know once we put in our body, we can't stop. And we can't control it. So there's never going to be a time when I can put alcohol in my body and not crave a second one. So very good. If I don't have the ability to metabolize alcohol and I can't control how much I drink, so I shouldn't drink. Everybody agree with that? Yes. Right. Now, what he describes is that uh, he talks about we emerge from the spree and we emerge and we're full of self-pity and fear. And then, and then we, we don't like the way we feel, so then we drink again. But there's more to that than this. The doctor's also saying that sober, so you, you block it here with emerges. Sober without alcohol, alcoholics are restless, irritable, and discontented. What does that mean? It means that they don't like the way things are going. They can be what we call depressed. They can be unhappy. They can feel bad. And, he, and what this chart says is that with alcoholics, you live restless, irritable, discontented, with resentment, self-pity, and fear long enough. And you build up this emotional barometer. Now, everybody has a different emotional barometer and how much how much of these negative emotions can you take and when you get to a certain point you don't have to drink yet because willpower will work and then you get to this level where you're in between and then you're very close but then there's a time when the emotions build up and you can't use willpower you drink again mm-hmm. so the problem is living sober and being able to live so that you're not restless, irritable, disconnected, so that you don't build up your emotions so that you drink. And somebody said, if there's ever a battle between emotion and intellect, emotion will always win. If you've ever been in a relationship, you'll know that. And uh, and what they're talking about is that that's why willpower won't work. (laughs) Because when the emotions build up to a certain point, you can intellectually say, and analyze it but once it gets to a certain point your mind says I need a drink anybody ever have that happen? so we have to learn how to live sober so that when we're restless here we're disconnected we have spiritual exercises which will get us uh, to the point of emotional balance now the only person that can do that is God because without God I can't live a life managing it myself where I don't get restless, irritable, and disconnected. Now, if I could do that, I wouldn't have gotten restless, irritable, disconnected. I wouldn't have gotten discontented. I wouldn't have gotten depressed. I wouldn't have gotten angry or fearful. But I was unable to do that. I tried the best I could. And so I need God. I need God to show me a way to live with Him directing my life so that the, uh, the emotions don't build up. So when people come here and they don't drink, and they're going to a lot of meetings if they're not treating this the barometer is going to get to a certain point and then we don't see them anymore mm-hmm. Now, there's even a worse thing that can happen besides drinking again you can stay sober and live years and be restless, irritable, disconnect, discontented mm-hmm. and be depressed and unhappy and miserable and not drink because, because uh, Drinking not drinking has become a form of uh, self-centeredness to you that you you have your coins So without God living a self-centered life you can be sober But you won't have a sense of peace and ease and comfort. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. And so we don't we don't we know this is true and the only thing that I know that can fix this is the steps So then on the first page is this helpful It shows road chart to decision. So what we're gonna be doing uh, as we go through the book on Sunday night, we're already doing it uh, on Saturday and Wednesday night because we're further along in the book. This is the road chart to the decision. So if you come in here and you have this allergy to alcohol and you have this obsession you can't quit drinking, you don't have any power to quit drinking. You also don't have any power to run your life, and your life is unmanageable. (laughs) Then step two is where you seek a solution, and you seek a power that you believe can restore you to sanity. Now, I heard something today uh, that I've read before, but it finally made sense on page 25, And there is the solution, and we'll be reading this and studying this. But it talks about the solution, and it's in italics, and it says, almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked (laughs) in others. Now, here's a line that I'd read before, and I understand it better now. It says, I had to come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as I had been living it. And I think that's why a lot of people die. They can't completely believe the hopelessness and futility of their life, so they're not ready to come to believe that there's a power greater than themselves, taking restore them the sanity. So that's why this line is here, I had to come to believe. Now, how do you come to believe? Uh, pain, suffer. And 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 a lot of it to me was God's grace at that moment of complete defeat when I could give up I think Hitting bottom is when you really come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as you had been living it And so I think this is where bottom is actually described in the big book And once you hit that point then you're ready to completely surrender And and believe and you're willing to believe that there's a power that can help you Now, um, there's a glossary here of terms, which I find is very helpful, and there's this prayer. And then the last sheet is, what is the solution? So now we're going to get back to page 17 in the book, There is a Solution. (laughs) Now, Joe and Charlie made the point that this is the most important page for the newcomer To understand and when I show you this graph you'll understand why and um, Susie's not here and she said she had wrestling but you make sure that she knows that I'm going to talk about the cement because we talked about that last week it says we have Alcoholics Anonymous now notice there is a solution there may be other solutions but this is the solution that they had and so they're (laughs) going to describe their solution if you have a solution to your life problem and your drinking problem and it's not this book, fine, great. But if you can't, try this. So AA is like the last, uh, the last uh, house on the block, right, Ed? It's the last thing Ed tried, the first thing that worked because you've tried everything else. So AA is in for people who are thinking about trying this because then they're not defeated enough. But the people are really defeated, they'll try this. So it says we have Alcoholics Anonymous know thousands of men and women who were once just as hopeless as Bill and we've gone over Bill's story. <coughs> Nearly all have recovered. Uh, that's optimistic. Um, but they're talking about in the first edition it was 100 men and women. And recovered we talked about a lot is where you don't have the state of mind of a chronic alcoholic. And at that instance you could see the truth about alcohol. And you don't want to be in recovery; you want to be recovered. Now, recovered is a fragile state; it it's, it has to be continuously achieved through working steps 10 and 11, and you have to work 4 through 9 so that you can work 10 and 11. And if you're recovered, then you can see the truth about alcohol, and it'll it'll you'll, it'll be a bad idea. And Also, you'll be in a position neutrality. Uh, somebody was telling me they went someplace; they didn't notice. Uh, Still he had to go to Indianapolis and he went out to eat everybody ordered a beer and Mm -hmm. then he didn't he didn't order of course I'm I'm happy he didn't but he said he didn't really notice it. You know uh, You'll be in a position neutrality towards alcohol. They have solved the drink problem Remember the drink problem is solved and recovered on a daily basis To a daily reprieve based upon being in fit spiritual condition Mm -hmm. It says we're average Americans I guess we're average. We might think we're above average, because Topeka is better than other. But we're, we're all average Americans, all sections of the country. we Come from all over the country, different occupations. Where people normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness and understanding, which is indescribably wonderful. And I think that's true. We, people look forward to coming. We like visiting. We joke around. A lot of people like to give me crap. That's okay. Uh, probably deserve it but uh, we, we really enjoy seeing each other and you get used to seeing each other when somebody walks through the door you're happy to see them. like Norm came yesterday I hadn't seen Norm in a while but Norm and I go back 15 years and every time I see Norm it makes me happy and he texted me he said it was great it brought back a lot of memories he's gonna try to come more often and I told him that when I see people like that it makes me smile inside you can't describe that to other people even though I may not see Norm for weeks and weeks, but when you see them, there's the connection, and we have that. And it says, we're like the passengers of a great line or the moment after rescue from shipwreck, when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. So we are like people who have been shipwrecked and we get to shore, and we're all happy, we're, we're friends, we, uh, we've survived the, the uh, iceberg. We got in the water and we were able to get the land. Now, remember in the Titanic, they had a class system. They had the goats and the and the ducks and everything in the lower steerage. People brought everything <coughs> they owned. And then in the upper c- crust was the, the Ritzy Ritz. And they didn't want to be, the Ritzy Ritz didn't want the lower crust to ever get up there. So they had these stairways in the Titanic, so you couldn't get from one level to the other. And I went on the old QE-2, I think in 1987 or something. And if you were, if you were on one end of the ship, to get to the other level, you had to go down the stairs, and up the stairs, and this the stairs. And, uh, and like uh, the rich people apparently used to bring their mistresses, and they would put them down at the lower deck so the wife would never know they were there. And it was, it was quite a show on these ships. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit off AA here. Um, but anyway, stop it. Unlike the feelings of ship passengers, yeah, stop it. However, our joy at escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. So here's the thing. These people all hit the iceberg together. So the people who come here have hit the iceberg. Uh, we're sinking. And then somebody said last week that uh, some people come here don't realize they've hit the iceberg, and and they don't realize that they're actually drowning, and they're going to die. but but uh, we didn't get here on a good day and and things weren't going well. And so we have a common peril. We all have the obsession to drink, and we all have the allergy of the body. And we all have lived an unmanageable life. And so the this the feeling in the ship's passengers, does not subside. Because remember in the scene at the Titanic, they all went and they all left. And they would never see each other again. And then the thing is that when we're in the water and you're in the boat and you reach out the hand to rescue, that's AA. Remember, you reach out your hand, you're responsible. Somebody reached out to these people in the water and put them in the in the ship. And then remember, in the beginning, they didn't want the upper crust, didn't want the lower crust in their rescue boat. And then they had a big scene and they said no. And we're all together. So we reach out our hand to anybody who comes. All are welcome. And here's the key the feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us. So, we're going to have a cement here that's going to keep us together. And the one thing that will bind us is the feeling that we're all alcoholics. But here's the warning, that won't hold us together. So if we just have meetings and we're just alcoholics and we just talk about how we're all alcoholics all the time, that won't keep us together. That's not enough cement to hold us together. That's why meetings alone may not be enough. Mm-hmm. Just, just sharing the common peril with people for hours upon hours uh, may not be enough. Because here's what they say, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common <clears throat> solution. A common solution. And it says we have a way out on which we can absolutely agree. And so I know there's a way out that I can absolutely agree on because I've done this and there are other people in the room. And so when the new person comes, we're supposed to tell them that we have a way out on which we can all agree, and it's, it's the directions in this book. That's why we study the book here, first 102 pages, because it's the only path that I know to God, and and all we do is share the path together. Now it says we can join in brotherly and harmonious action, so we need to make sure that we stay together on this. And that's why they have the traditions so that we don't come apart. We don't let personalities distract us. We don't let money distract us from, what we're really to do here is share this common solution so we can help one person recover and they can help another, like uh, Matt and Ryan. It says, this is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. So there's the Good News Bible and there's the Great News Big Book. And they really should put the Great News Big Book in every hotel room with the Good News Bible. Because yeah. like we talked about yesterday, this is a path to God. And if you practice 84-88, whether you're alcoholic or not, your life will be better. And you'll be in relationship with God. So this is the great news. That's why for new people, they have to understand that there are two parts to the uh, solution. So here's this uh, sheet here, which I got out, which if we could all look at. What is the solution? And this is really good. And um, I remember when I saw this uh, for the first time years ago, it really made a lot of sense to me. Because in the beginning, this is how AA was. They would have a new member come in. And then they would have several old members. And they they would support the new member through their hope Their strength and experience, that's what we're trying to do tonight. And so they offered hope to the new member, the book offers hope, the book offers the experience, and the book offers the strength. And you wanna be a representative of the big book when you're at a meeting, and you wanna give the new person hope, experience, and strength. And so the new member will come here and say, well, gee, these guys are doing really well, and they were a mess, and look what's happened to them. And so, then the new member decides if they're gonna believe. and They come to believe from the hope, experience, and strength of the old members. And then they become willing. And their willingness depends upon whether they had come to believe that they had a hopeless condition of mind and body and whether they had a futile existence, right? And if they've had that, then they're willing. If they're in enough pain, then they're willing and they believe and then they're gonna investigate what these people did. And so then the spiritual awakening that changes us is when you, is the simple kit of spiritual tools which is actually described on, let's see. I used to have all this memorized. Uh, It's in the next line on page 25. And so um, it says, we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as I've been living it, right? So if you have, then when you're approached by those in whom the problem has been solved, that's the new member and the old members, there's nothing left but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools. I mean, what other choice do you have? You're completely defeated, you're dying of your alcoholism, your life's completely unmanageable, you can't quit drinking, when you drink you can't stop. You have people here who uh, are sharing their hope, experience, and strengths with you. And they tell you, pick up a simple kit of spiritual tools. And it says, there's nothing left but to pick up the spiritual kit of t- tools laid at our feet. And we have found much of heaven and we've been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we would not even dreamed. <coughs> and so you have the simple kit of spiritual tools, which is the 12 steps. And when you complete the steps, you have the next paragraph says, the great fact is this and just nothing, less. Deep and effective spiritual experiences. You've had a, you have a relationship with a power greater than yourself that you never had before, and you feel a sense of peace and direction. And I can't explain it to somebody who hasn't done it what it looks like. You have to do it, and maybe people talk about that when we open up, on how they had, had these deep and effective spiritual experiences. I have a spiritual experience every time I let go of an old idea. It's just amazing. I said, well, wow. Why didn't I read that book before? Why didn't I watch that movie? I had beets. My life made beets. I'd never eaten beets. They look terrible. I, I don't know. I just decided they're horrible. And so, uh, you know, she, she didn't force them on me because, you know, she knows if I have an old idea, I got an old idea. It's my old idea. But she made them and she says they're really good. So I actually tried them and you know they, it was really pretty good. And so I went 66 years where I could have eaten beets. <laughs> it sounds silly but you know those old ideas are so... And, and the best thing is when you let go of an old idea you feel so much better. And so it says, and here's what the uh, spiritual experiences do. They revolutionize my whole attitude towards life. I have a new attitude towards life now, toward our fellows and towards God's universe. What is, what is a new attitude changes? My new attitude now is to be of love and service and to be loving, patient, kind, and tolerant and accepting people as they are and be considerate and, and to do God's will and to carry a vision of his will in all my activities and try to live that spiritual life. And before, I didn't know any of that, so I was just trying to manage my life as best I thought to, to uh, have rest some satisfaction, happiness out of it. So I had a delusion when I came in here that if I managed my life well and you, everybody in it, then I would be happy. Well, I just ended up pissing a lot of people off, living in fear and anger, and harming myself and others. Well, that didn't work. So when I do this, I've had a complete change, and if I live a spiritual life, and I try to do God's will and serve others and be loved, patient, kind, and tolerant, I'm not angry as much, and I'm not fearful as much, and I'm not harming people, and I don't know as many amends, and people uh, smile at me instead of running away. And then, and it says, the central fact of my life today. Now, is this the central fact of your life? Well, if it isn't, do this, and it will be. Is the absolute certainty that my Creator has entered into my heart and lives in a way in which is indeed miraculous. And I I know that's true, and you know I know that's true because I trust God. We talked about that the other night with fear. (laughs) How do you learn to trust God? You learn to trust God when you, when your whole attitude has changed, and you have the absolute certainty that the Creator has entered into your heart and eyes, which is a way indeed miraculous. And why? Because He's accomplished, commenced to accomplish those things which I could never do for myself. And so this is this is a, a powerful a powerful uh, example. And this is why I think 90 meetings in 90 days is great. Why not? It's a form of humility. It's a way of, uh, of uh, saying that major. you need help. But it's not yeah. enough to recover. So some people are really proud. They come to me and I did 90 meetings in 90 days. I said, great. But you know they, what's changed? Do you still have fear? Do you have resentment? Uh, do you have shame and guilt? Uh, How's your relationship with God? How do you feel? And so just meetings won't do it. And this is the point that Joe and Charlie make. But the meetings are so important because the meetings for me is how I stay in fit spiritual condition. It's one of the ways. I go to meetings. I uh, hang around people in the program. I listen to them. I share. And then that helps me connect with my humility that I need to seek and know God all the time. And it helps also keep my first step alive, my moment of defeat. So meetings are very important. And if you get away from the meetings and the group, then you start getting back in the self, and then before you know it, uh, your attitude has changed back to the old attitude. But the meetings alone won't do it, you need both. So that's one of the reasons we have this type of meeting. We're actually studying the, the steps and the, uh, and the books so that somebody's new can see that there's something here and they can find somebody to read it with them and they can do this and change. So I hope that was helpful. And so that's page 17. I'm gonna read a little bit more and then we're gonna open it up. It says, an illness of this sort involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. <laughs> do you believe that? Mm-hmm. If a person has cancer, all oh, sorry for him and no one is angry or hurt but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation. Annihilation is bad, by the way, of all the things worthwhile in life. Is that true for you? After, at the end, it's true, isn't it? And engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. So it's, it's all the people that we've, we've known and uh, had relationships with. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, Warp lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents, anyone can increase the risk, can increase the list. So we hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or may be infected. There are many. And then I'm going to go down to that um, italics. But the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, now they're talking about this solution, they can't talk about other solutions because they're not, they, they weren't involved in that who are properly armed with facts about himself. So what are the properly armed facts about yourself that you're going to present to a new person? And what they're talking about is you're properly armed with facts about yourself when you've done the steps. When you've done four and five, you learned a lot about yourself, and and you learned about uh, your fears and your resentment and your shame and guilt, your conduct, and you learned about your character defects drove your life because you were self-centered and you tried to fill feel, uh, feel the instincts of life or, uh, the way you thought they needed to be, your sex instinct, your emotional and material, and you just made a mess of it. Uh, so if you're armed with that and you can explain your obsession the drink and your allergy to the body, you can win the confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. And that's what Bill did with... Uh, Dr. Bob, he talked about his disease, his experience. And Dr. Bob said, I have that. And Dr. Bob thought he was just a weak willed, sinful person who uh, God must not have loved or he would have quit drinking. But he didn't see that it was himself and his self centeredness, and he had a disease. And he wasn't a bad person, he was just powerless, powerless. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. Um, that the man who is making the approaches had the same difficulty, that he obviously knows what he is talking about, that his whole deportment shouts at the new prospect that he is a man with a real answer, that he has no attitude of holier than thou, nothing whatever except the sincere desire to be helpful, that there are no dues to pay, axes to grind, no people to please, no lectures to be endured. These are the conditions we have found most effective. After such an approach, many take up their beds and walk again. So that's a biblical uh, analogy, but it's how you approach the person, that you, were, you have the same thing that they have. You understand what they're going through, but you have a, a solution to their problem that you'll offer them. Now, we talked about the cement, and on page 75, I'll just finish with that, because it talks about the cement that binds us, and then he uses it, uh, again, it says returning home. You've done the fourth and fifth step. You return home, you find a place where you can be quiet. So you've admitted to God, yourself, another human being, the exact nature of your wrongs. You've looked at your resentment, your fears, and your sex conduct. You thank God from the bottom of your heart that you know him better. Taking this book down from your shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we asked if we had admitted anything. Uh, for we are building an arch through which we can walk f- a free man at last. So that's why four and five is so important because you're building the arch and you can't walk through that arch till you've done four and five. And here's the reason. Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So here's another analogy. If you want to walk through the arch to freedom, you have to put enough cement between the the, uh, bricks. And what they mean is you have to do this to the best of your ability, and then you do it the rest of your life. And I, I think what you have enough cement If you do it the best you can in the beginning, and you get through the arch, and as you live in 10 and 11, you keep putting even more cement. It becomes even a stronger arch. So I hope this was helpful. We're gonna pick up again, and the rest of this uh, first, uh, page 19 through 24 describes our powerlessness, no defense against the next drink, then page 25, we read some of that tonight shows the solution, and then the last pages talk about Roland Hazard, Dr. Young, and where we what the solution looked like, where we got the idea of the spiritual change. So, we'll open up. Uh, let me turn this off. So.